You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 22 of the Dogaritaville Podcast. Today we are talking about summertime with our dogs and drinking summer-themed margaritas. For every episode, we pick a theme and each do our own take on it for our margs. We post the recipes on our Instagram so you can try them at home. We're always looking for new ideas, so let us know if you have an idea for an episode or a margarita theme. So yeah, it's been a minute, uh, not to you guys, but to us. We haven't recorded in like over a month, Uh, two months-ish, I think, actually. Whoops. Uh, but because we normally record so far in advance, it didn't affect you and you don't even know about it. So there you go. <laughs> but now you do. Um, now I, I had to tell you, I had to be honest. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, let's congratulate Lily because she's got fancy letters after her name now and is officially, it's so hard to say, CPDTKA certified. <laughs> yeah, I've had to practice saying that a lot. It's, yeah, it's, I was talking uh, to another trainer about certifications, and he was like, CPWT, blah, 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 <laughs> and I was like, yep, uh-huh, got it. <laughs> I feel different. I feel smarter. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> In studying for the exam, what I really learned was that the vocabulary around the information I already knew, like, I just... I gave, I put words to things that I knew, which is great. It's helpful because if I'm listening to other trainers talk and they use that kind of jargon, now I know what they're referring to. But it also has its pitfalls because when I know the vocabulary for things, I tend to start using that vocabulary, which confuses owners. So I have to like try to keep things in terms that are like widely understood. Um, so there are pros and there are cons to the fact that I know all the words now. <laughs> but <laughs> most importantly, I like that that's what the certification is, though. Yeah, that's what it was for me. I was like, oh, that's what that's called. Okay, cool. (laughs) But most importantly, passing the exam confirmed for me that I understand at least some of what I'm doing. And it confirms for people who will potentially be hiring me that I maybe know something about something. And that's great because imposter syndrome is really, really rampant in a field like dog training where kind of anything goes. So it's just nice to know that I do know something. I did think it was in- crazy that you mentioned imposter syndrome because, oh my God, just like so heavy right now. <laughs> really? Like now I, in I, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. But when I was looking over the outline, I looked it up because I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? And I was like, oh my God, that's me for the last like three weeks. I've never in my life questioned it. And then all of a sudden the last few weeks, I'm like, I can't train dogs for shit. I know nothing. <laughs> Everyone is better than me. I don't know. It's real. But yeah. It's hard because, there, yeah, there's no, like, standard. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I need to get certified. And I was like, well, I really don't want to get certified. And it's not going to be easy for me because of the way I learn and retain information. And, <laughs> and so it's just a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and one of my foster dogs came back from board and train. So I'm working with another trainer to upkeep like his training and it's a bunch of stuff I don't know and it's <sighs> exhausting and I don't <laughs> I'm just not in right now <laughs> I'm just not in <laughs> but yeah I didn't know what that was called so now I know yeah I have imposter syndrome there you go I feel it like every time I get a new client I'm like oh I actually don't know if I know what I'm doing <laughs> See? Yeah, I have the opposite problem with new clients where I'm like, everybody's an idiot. Like, <laughs> why don't you know this? Why don't you know how to manage this? I, th- I don't remember if we talked about this, but I won some contest on Instagram, which was awesome. But the girl who the oh, contest was that. through. Yeah. And the girl who the contest was through has like a bunch of followers. Like, I don't know. A bunch to me is like 30,000 plus, you know, yeah. like not necessarily millions, but like a lot of followers. And she texted me uh, or messaged me on Instagram when I won. And she was like, and this is so crazy because I was looking for a dog trainer. Like I should hire you. And like, because of the following that she has, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I like, I'm, I'm too stupid. I can't help you. Like that's hilarious. Yeah. That's just where, that's how did, 
Did you actually turn her down? or are you No, no, it? I didn't. Um, she hasn't gotten oh, okay. back to me, but I did tell her. I was like, this is how you can book a session and I'll give you a discount because of this whole contest thing or whatever. Um, yeah. And she hasn't booked yet. I don't know if she will. But like when she asked, I wanted to be like, mm, yeah, no. you instantly have that. Yeah. See, I have that response when I work with other trainers and I'm like, oh, I don't know anything and I'm a fucking fraud. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Clients, I'm like, oh, you're stupid and I know more than you. <laughs> I mean, if my clients are listening, I don't actually think that, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. Like when you're talking to someone who doesn't know anything about dog training, you feel like magic. Yeah, exactly. Then I'm but- like, oh, well, obviously, like I spend my days explaining things to everybody. So I'm like, I have the opposite problem of like, oh, let me tell you. Right. <laughs> but when I'm with other trainers, I'm like, I don't have a single fucking clue what you're talking about. And I guess I'm an idiot and I should just quit my job. <laughs> Okay, any updates on in your life? I mean, besides the uh, frustrating... You know, yeah, just my life is a pit of hellfire and despair now. You know, it was interesting because I wanted to do an update thinking that a lot has changed in 20 episodes. Uh, and so I went back and listened to, like, Training Methods, and uh, which is episode two, if you don't know. I was kind of shocked that I wasn't... In my head, I was like, oh, that's so outdated now. We need to redo it, blah, blah, blah. And I went back to listen, and I was like no, I'm still in for most of this. <laughs> like, there was like little stuff, but I was like, oh, okay. Um, I think the only thing um, that I think I clarified for myself, and obviously people would disagree depending on who they are, but like, I think we broke it down to positive trainers, balanced trainers, and aversive trainers. Uh, and I think the reality is more just positive or balanced because aversive trainers don't call themselves aversive. They call themselves balanced. I guess that was just like their rebrand. I don't really know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know how that works. That was not my original understanding. Every aversive trainer I have met calls themselves balanced. So there you have it. Do what you will with it. <laughs> yeah. I So I've actually come to like an opposite place, which is kind of funny. Like when I read what you wrote, I was like, I feel like totally differently about this. I mean, of course, there are like extremist well and that's the other thing so i i keep like thinking and then i have to back up and back up so like (laughs) you know again for all of our listeners dog training is like a completely unregulated field so anybody can call themselves anything there's literally no criteria like you know you can kick dogs in the face all day and say you're a forest free trainer you know like there's there's no reason you can't call yourself anything you want and so, like, there are extremists and force-free who are like, crates are mean and leashes are mean and owning dogs at all is mean. Like, you know, <laughs> like, there's extremists. And then, of course, there's extremists under the balance label who, like, throw towels at dogs and whatever else. And so I've come to a place where I feel like labels are stupid. That's where I'm at. And I think that's where you were in episode two. You're like, labels yeah, are that's dumb. Really, that's really <laughs> exciting to me. <laughs> it's exciting to me that you've gotten there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, it is. It's totally fucking arbitrary. Mm-hmm. And it's just... And I think that's part of why I'm having the, like, imposter syndrome problem is because I think the certifications are a little bit arbitrary. I want one. Don't get me wrong. Like, I want nothing more than the industry to be regulated and to have a standard that I can fulfill. But because there isn't, and I know it's going to be hard for me because of who I am as a human being... <laughs> I don't want to do the certification, but I do because I do want there to be something that says, hey, I'm legit and all these other people are fucking idiots. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right? So, like, I want to do it in that sense, but then in the back of my head, I'm like, well, no, really, because it's unregulated, certifications still mean nothing. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, the most frustrating thing to me is that balanced a lot of the times does just mean prongs and shocks. And some people do it well and some people don't do it well. Uh, (laughs) uh, But if you're giving them to every single dog, then that's a big red flag that you're not doing it well. But yeah, same with force free. Like if you tell me an aggressive pit bull can't be kenneled because kennels are bad, then I'm not really going to waste my time with you. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like there were a lot of updates, but I don't know. When I sat down to do this outline, I couldn't really think of any. Yeah, I was hoping you would type a lot more after you came back. I know, and I thought I would. (laughs) And and part of it, I don't know, part of it is just, I don't know, I'm not in the mood to do anything anymore. But (laughs) so I think that's part of the issue. But because I do, I went back and listened to the old episodes recently. uh, And it 
it felt like there was a lot of updates, but then when I sat down to do updates, I was like, eh, I got nothing. Yeah, I, I just listened to episode two. I don't remember if it was today or yesterday, just to kind of, yeah, see. Refresh. See how I felt now. And that I do episode, I do though. feel differently. <laughs> I mean, I think that a lot of my ethics are still the same, but just the whole thing has been reframed since we last talked about it. Like, yeah. Um. So I've joined TikTok recently and I thought that that was going to be like a waste of my life but it's actually been crazy eye-opening because there are like tons of trainers on there all talking about the work that they do and like the labels that they're under and so it has given me a lot more information and data well and i feel like that might be where uh we kind of differ in that i have done the opposite and started to avoid all things dog training on all social media <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder if that's why we felt so different last time, because I really haven't ever been connected to, like, that kind of network before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So I've changed my opinion. Well, I've, I don't know. The way that I think about it is just different. Like, yeah. So in episode two, I the said end I... The result isn't necessarily different, but... Sure. And it actually might be. I'm just still really processing through, but... When when we recorded episode two, I said that I had never encountered a bounce trainer who didn't just throw a tool on every single dog, like just like you just said. And that was true yeah. at the time. I, like I had never seen that. So like that was true when I said it. But I'm being exposed to it more on this TikTok platform where I can interact a lot more directly with the trainers. Yeah. But that being said, I'm also coming a lot of bounce trainers who are extremely compulsion based and, and like either way too heavy handed or just plain incompetent. Like the communication between them and the dog is not clear at all. And the dog is just confused. Like that Husky video I sent you where like the guy's just like stepping on the leash and he's like, this oh, is a down yeah, stay. So and weird. it's like, no, like, no, it's not, <laughs> you know. Um, so there's lots of good and bad training happening under the bounce label. And there's also lots of good and bad training happening under the force free label where there are like. Lots of trainers that I respect and really want to learn from. And personally, I just love like that, are pe- that people are trying to like tra- train as kindly as they can. But there are other trainers. A- another video I sent you actually was that girl who was trying to train her dog to drop it and like clicking a oh, trading. Oh, the, the trading go- game? Yeah. And I won't say who that, that is so because weird. they're so they weird. follow me on TikTok. But, um, <laughs> I, won't, I won't say who it is. But um, the dog like obviously had no idea what it was being clicked for. Oh, no. For. It was like, so no idea. weird. So just lots so of weird. good and bad training happening under under every label. And so, like, we're coming off the tail of an episode that was four hours long. So I'm like, I don't want to talk too much about this. But all of that being said, I think that the conclusion I've come to is that I hate labels. And I just want to see the training that someone is doing, which is exactly what Laura said in episode two. So, yeah. Good job, I'm Laura. Right. I'm done this time. <laughs> Um, so there are competent and incompetent trainers using every label under the sun. And then separate from that, there are ethics and everyone's going to have a different code of ethics. And I'm learning how to be okay with that, but only to a point (laughs) because I feel like the most competent compulsion based trainer is still a piece of shit. And I don't think I'll ever change my mind about that. Um, but there's Uh, that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I mean, the fucking bumpers, boppers, whatever the fuck guy I mean, tech, he's a balanced trainer, right? Jeff like, Gelman, yeah. Yeah. Don't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to fucking know. Make Jeff me Gelman. Fucking puke. Ugh. If you want to see the most misogynistic piece of shit of your life, <laughs> go ahead and check him out. That's it. It's not even just boppers. It's his whole, like, because uh, that's how I found out about boppers is I started following him on Instagram. And just the second I started following him, I was like, he does, like, these lives with, like, his third or fourth wife or some bullshit. And he's just, you could just tell. Like, he's just a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. To humans, too. Like, obviously, you have to be if you are beating dogs with towels. But he's, like, super narcissistic. Like, the way yeah, he Yeah, just the way. Yeah, he's, like, a fucking sociopath or something. It's fucking weird. It makes me very uncomfortable. Even beyond methodology. But just, like, the way that he talks to people and stuff like that. It's absolutely fucking not yeah anyways that tangent (laughs) um i mean he's technically a balanced trainer and then you compare him to me or um the trainer that um my foster just got back from his board and train is 
a balance trainer and like he's actually really helping me with my communication um and just being more clear and better timing and stuff like that because uh, that's how he trained Perrier and now Perrier is back here and I have to be the one training him so but yeah it's just I mean no trainer is created equal even if they're the same methodology right right um and I need to remind myself of that as well because I tend to lump force-free trainers in with a bunch of fucking morons so uh and they're not some of them are actually good um I think it's important to remember that almost everybody is a fucking moron. <laughs> so yep. you're going to so find them everywhere. True. So fucking true. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but the last thing that I had written down just on where I've kind of changed. And, and honestly, you started the ball rolling in that episode about like me processing through um, just like where ethics could could be different like than they currently are for me i follow this guy on tiktok his name is brett bailey he's based in new york city and his company is who's a good boy industries and he had this video working with a reactive dog on the streets of new york and it like blew my mind like i couldn't comprehend how he was doing what he was doing so i actually paid him for a training session and we sat down and talked and he does do some things that i don't know if i'll ever do but also like i don't live in new york city like most of his clients are living in apartments and the second they leave their front door, there are a hundred triggers. And so their dogs are literally encountering triggers like Can you imagine? dozens of times a day. And they have to leave the house. There aren't any options about that. And so he's okay being a little more hard on the dog or like putting it through more stress so that they can more quickly get to that result where that dog isn't stressed out all day. So basically, like I'm still processing it. He gave me a ton of information. And I'll probably be processing through it like for weeks or months or I don't know. But I feel like I'm ethically okay with everything he was doing, even though I don't do it myself, only because, like, it's utilitarian. Like, it was a necessity. We just have different clientele, you know? So I think that that's where I'm at. All labels are useless. Ethics and dog training are trickier than I thought they were when we recorded (laughs) episode two. So there I am. I hope I don't lose my little force-free crown for that. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure you will. As soon as Instagram catches on (laughs) to this, you will have some messages. Um... It's, it's pretty easy to lose your crown in that crowd. I'm real grumpy, so <laughs> I can tell that actually. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm slowly bringing Lily over to the dark side. That's my update. <laughs> my mom and I were discussing <clears throat> the ethics of the force and whether there is a light or dark side to it. <laughs> we had a whole conversation Jesus. about it yesterday. <laughs> That that makes a lot of sense for the both of you, actually. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I need to go get a refill, so let's take a break. All righty. <laughs> that was my transition. So those are some updates Arr. since we recorded episode two. Now we'll take a break, and when we get back, we'll start talking about summer safety. Margarita check. How did you make your summertime margarita? So I wanted like a like a cherry limeade type of thing. So I bought the only like cherry uh, liqueur I could find was sour cherry schnapps, which I was hesitant for, but I'm okay with now. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, so I did a blender. So this is like a lot, obviously, but... I did a full blender and it was four ounces of tequila, three ounces of sour cherry. I started with two and I upped it because it wasn't very flavorful. Two ounces of triple sec, which I don't know if I still needed. I thought about replacing it with just the sour cherry, but then I was like, I don't know. Uh, Four juice limes. And then I did add uh, quite a bit of the juice from the maraschino cherry jar uh, because, again, it wasn't very flavorful and I really wanted it to taste like cherries. Um, and then I threw a bunch of cherries on top. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, and I did end up adding agave because it wasn't very sweet and it wasn't very flavorful. But now that I've tinkered with it a bit, it's pretty delightful. Uh, and it's blended, uh, because, you know, summertime. So when I was listening back through the old episodes, something that I noticed is that you often say one juice limed. (laughs) (laughs) 
believe that. I did, uh, yeah, I say some weird shit. Because when I said something in episode two that I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Or maybe it was the episode that came out today. I said, I was listening, I listened to both today, and both times I was like, God, Laurie, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a professor. Uh, (laughs) um, You went a drastically different route than me. All I know is that it was fizzy. Well, I tried to make it fizzy, but I think my club soda was old, so it. I wish that I had not put the club soda in. But yeah, when I think summer, I think berries, so... I muddled strawberry, blueberry, and blackberry, and mint, um, and then I put in three ounces of tequila, one ounce triple sec, agave to taste, so just a little bit. Um, I shook all of that with ice and then strained it into no ice, and then I topped that with club soda and put sugar on the rim. And ideally, I was thinking it would be kind of spritzy, but again, it's not at all, <laughs> and um, that, that's a bummer. But otherwise, like the flavor is really good. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds fucking amazing. I also personally would have, like, added lemonade, I think. Oh. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But that sounds legit. Muddled berries and mint. The mint is what got me because that's my jam. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, uh, out here in the desert, summer is pretty serious. Right now, as we're recording, it's the beginning of May, and I already hate my life. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going to be talking about summer now, by the way. (laughs) I feel like yeah. we just, like, yeah. went also, into that. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, the end of April starts hitting 90 degrees plus, uh, and by May you start hitting 100 degrees plus, and then you don't get any reprieve until the end of September. So, <laughs> here in Vegas, life sucks. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you literally cannot do anything. It's miserable. Uh, even at, like, 2, 4 a.m., it's uh, still 100 plus degrees outside. Like, it doesn't cool down at night. I mean, it does, but it cools down from 110. So, you know. Right. So, yeah, having a high energy dog here in the summer, uh, I mean, good fucking luck, honestly. <laughs> uh, I mean, you literally can't do anything. Right now, it's in the 90s every day. And uh, even, like, I've had to move my 9 a.m.s to 8 a.m.s because by 9.30, it's too hot. Uh, so it's rough (laughs) and it inspired this episode. (laughs) I haven't lived in a place like that and I'm very grateful for that because it sounds like a nightmare, but like Seattle summers are like 90 degrees for two weeks and everybody complains, but then it's like done. (laughs) And then here in Michigan, it does get pretty hot, but it doesn't get as hot as it does in Vegas, but it does get really humid. Which I feel like, strangely, in that situation, water actually becomes, like, way more important. Like, I get dehydrated so fast in the summer here, like, oh, when it's really? humid. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Have you done um, alkaline water at all? No. I work at a holistic pet food store one day a week, and they do, like, they're big on alkaline water. And it's supposed to be better for you. It's supposed to, like, hydrate you more, and it's better for, like, dogs with, like, kidney disease and stuff. Especially out here in Vegas, the water is super hard and pretty unhealthy. So, but so I started drinking alkaline water a couple years ago, and it it really does because I drink a lot, like just all the time, no matter what time of year. Uh, I just constantly am thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) I switched to alkaline water, and it keeps you so much more hydrated. So, do you get that like bottled or? Yeah, you can get it like the gas station in a bottle. Or, like, people, like, the pet store offers a water program and they have, like, a alkaline machine that alkalizes the water or whatever. But uh, but wow. I swear to God, you'll notice a difference. It's weird. I-, I didn't believe in it. Obviously, I was like, okay, it's water. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I am a believer. <laughs> and to uh, one of my first kidney dogs was too aggressive to get IV fluids. So, like, one of the main things of kidney disease is that you get dehydrated. And so most kidney dogs have to be on fluids every day. Uh, But he would fucking bite you if you tried to put an IV in him. Like, that was not happening. And I was not a trainer at the time. So I didn't know how to work through that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so I had to put him on alkaline water because I was like, there's not a chance in hell I can IV this dog every day. Like, never going to (laughs) happen. And that kept him off IV fluids until he died. Like, he never needed IV fluids because alkaline water kept him hydrated enough. That's crazy. Yeah. 
that's a good tangent. <laughs> so yeah, look into alkaline water. <laughs> so yeah, some basic uh, summer safety, which seems obvious, but you would be shocked. Uh, <laughs> um, some basic summer safety just includes access to fresh water, which I'm a little bit bad at, honestly. Not at home, obviously, but like right now, even though I take my dogs out early in the morning because it's already so hot, I don't always have water in my car, which at this point in the year, I have to have water in my car. <laughs> yeah. Um. So access to fresh water, it seems super basic, super simple, but I don't think a lot of us carry jugs of water in our car. So this time of year, we really need to start considering that even if you don't live in the hellfire that I do. Yeah. Access to shade is a big one. Um, which again, I thought was kind of like, oh, okay, well, shade, yeah, whatever. Um, but last weekend, I had to work two different dogs, and the one, the park by my house has a lot of shade. And I took the first dog there, and it was no issue. It was great. We had a good time. We worked. We went home. I went to take the second dog there, and it had gotten too busy. Uh, so I was like, all right, we're going to have to go to a different park. The other park did not have any shade. And we only lasted maybe like 10, 15 minutes before we had to leave. Like there was no way we could stay out. And even then she was like making me nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way she was panting and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, shade really does make a huge, huge difference. Even if obviously like these dogs were running, um, playing fetch and stuff. So obviously they're not sitting in the shade, but in between throws they have shade to sit in. Like, right. So that is something to consider. Uh, I always thought heat stroke was kind of like not an urban legend, but like I always felt like it was pretty hard to give dogs heat stroke. Right. And I've never really like heard of it happening. It's actually not. It happens a lot. Hmm. <laughs> it happens a lot. Not even out here. Like not even just he- obviously it happens here more, but like it happens everywhere and it's not as hard or uncommon as you think it is. So yeah, freshwater, shade. Uh, the big thing out here in the desert is keeping their paws off of hot surfaces um, because literally like walking from my front door to my mailbox, uh, one of my dogs could burn their paws for sure. Yeah. And that's not even asphalt. That's just cement uh, because you can quite literally like bake cookies on the ground here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every summer, the newscasters bake cookies in their cars and shit like that <laughs> just to prove a point. Right. Um. So, yeah, foot protectants are super important. One of the biggest things that we deal with in Vegas is leaving dogs in hot cars, which I'm guilty of, but obviously I leave my car running with the AC on. But even that is really dangerous, I've discovered. Uh, not yeah, well, and in, like, I've never I've never had an issue, but. <laughs> well, in your van, you don't you don't have a lot of windows like if a car with like a bunch of windows would be hotter, I feel like. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting um, because the back doesn't have the air vents. So the air vents are only in the front, but it doesn't have windows. So it does stay a little bit cooler, but it also doesn't have direct ventilation. Mm. Uh, And I've thought about getting, they have um, little fans that are battery operated that you can clip on the front of the kennels. But again, when it's like 110 outside, even with the car running and the AC and the fan, like it's still not really ideal. So, yeah, definitely leaving dogs in hot cars, not okay. Even if it's running, it's still pretty risky. And especially and if you weird. have, like, direct sunlight on the dog. Like, yeah, AC is not going to be super helpful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Trust me. I drive all day. It only helps so much. And then I just – I want to back up to what you said about pavement really quick, like, so that people know when to keep their dogs off the pavement. The, tr- I, I don't know, trick that I use is I put my own skin on the ground, and if it hurts, I don't take my dogs on a walk on that surface. That's yeah my yep. meter. So, like, I have a park that's really close to my house. We normally walk there. As soon as we started hitting 90 plus degrees, now we drive there so that they can walk just on the grass. Um, because even though, obviously, the walking trail is still cement um, and 90 degrees isn't that bad, I want them to be walking on grass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a month from now, I won't have a choice anyway, so I might as well just get in the habit. And then obviously, like, I don't f- know that this necessarily needs to be said, but doing hard exercise in direct sunlight in the middle of the day, <laughs> not your best idea. It's a good idea to just say it. <laughs> you know, you would be amazed. Uh, <laughs> um, there was a, a dog a few years ago when I worked at the vet that died of heat stroke. Uh, and it was a husky, which obviously. 
the guy was like, he didn't mean any harm, obviously, and he wasn't really being super negligent. Like, he was just playing fetch at the park in the grass, mm. so he yeah. thought he would be fine. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, bro, it's still, like, 105 outside, so. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not that, like, everybody's like, oh, huskies have too much fur. It's like, no, they're self-insulating. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not that he has so much fur. That's what did it. Like, he was running full out in 100-plus degree degree weather it doesn't really matter what surface you're on at that point (laughs) right well and i bring this up a little bit later in the episode too but like especially with fetch like if your dog is ball obsessed it is not going to put its own comfort over chasing Mm -hmm. that ball so you can't just trust your dog to tell you when they're done yeah i was playing fetch um and i play it with the chuck it so they run really far and blah 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 i was playing it today i was comfy as hell because there's it's only like 92 today only (laughs) it's not as hot today and uh, we were at a super shady park obviously she's not running in the shade but my ass is standing in the shade uh and there was like a nice breeze and i felt fine but after about 20 minutes or so i was like yeah i don't like the way your tongue is flipping right (laughs) we're gonna go home she would have sat out there all fucking day because she is ball crazy yeah. Uh, and as long as I'm throwing it, she'll do it. It doesn't care if she's tired, doesn't care if she's hurt. Like, she's going to get that ball. <laughs> like, so, yeah, they're not going to tell you when they're tired or when they're too hot. You just really have to pay attention. And then, obviously, like, right now I was doing that at, like, noon. But, again, it's only 90 today. And a week from now I'm going to only be able to exercise them at fucking 6 a.m. <laughs> you think I'm grumpy now? Just fucking wait. Uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, as far as what going back to water a little bit, I really like uh, fountains uh, because moving water encourages animals to drink more, uh, especially when it's hot out. Um, but yeah, water is like my number one. I always have water. I always have ice water when available. Although I've heard varying reports that ice water is somewhat dangerous because it's too shocking to the system when they're overheated. Oh. I don't know how accurate that is, but. Interesting. I just, yeah, I just that sounds like something throw. I should Google. Yeah, <laughs> we need a fact checker. Uh, yeah. Well, if that's true, it's really important to know, <laughs> right? Well, I, I think it's only if they're like in heat stroke or something. Like, I don't mm. know that it's necessarily like just when they're warm. It's like obviously sure. I don't bring ice water out with us like when we're hiking, but uh, I will throw ice cubes in their kennel or whatever. So right. I don't know. Nobody's died yet. We'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, especially out here because we really can't go outdoors uh, most of the summer. I spend a lot of time in places like Home Depot and Lowe's uh, because it's indoors, plenty of space, air conditioned, and I can work them around people, weird noises. And usually in the summer, there's quite a lot of dogs here in Home Depot and Lowe's. And then I always, too, make sure to keep my dog's paws wet. So, like, obviously you need to keep them protected if they're... um, walking on the ground anyways but also too like if we're done working and we're getting into the car to drive home i will give them water obviously but i will also when i'm giving them water make sure to get their paws wet too because that's where their like sweat glands and stuff are um so like i've always heard that if dogs over um overheat um you're supposed to put get their feet wet first anyways um so i've just made that a neurotic practice of mine (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah, there's something, I think it's like rubbing alcohol. Like if your dog's overheating, you're supposed to put rubbing alcohol in their paws or something. That Don't seems weird. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to Google it right now so I don't uh, tell people to do something. I mean, you're only supposed to do it if your dog's like dying of heat stroke. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> oh, yeah. If you suspect that your dog needs some help lowering his or her body temperature, give those paws a wipe with a cotton ball soaked in rubbing alcohol. So that will hopefully not come up for anybody. (laughs) Right. But if your dog is overheating, I guess that's like a thing to help keep them cool. I just make sure their paws are wet when I can. (laughs) So if I'm giving them water, I also pour water on their feet. I don't know that it makes any difference, but it sure as hell makes me feel better. So there we are. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And then something that you probably don't need to deal with in the desert, but that is very real in a lot of places, is that summertime – and really like spring, summer, and autumn, is flea and tick season. So be very cautious, use your preventatives, and then also take precautions like not letting your dog go in long grass or go off the trail on hikes and stuff like that. 
And I also get my yard sprayed for ticks. I don't know if that's a thing in a lot of other areas. It wasn't a thing in Washington. I had never heard of it. But out here, it's like a service that you can get. Which is crazy because I feel like Washington has fleas and ticks too. I I guess we were more in the city, but. Right. Yeah, when you, I was really glad that you put that in there because that doesn't occur to me. We don't have that here, but. Yeah, that's a super good point, fleas and ticks. And I had no idea that you could get it, your yard sprayed for ticks. That's amazing. Yeah. I was very excited about that. <laughs> I will never need it, but I was still very excited. Yeah, we get our yard sprayed for mosquitoes and fleas and ticks. Yeah. Oh, uh, which reminds me uh, of mosquitoes heartworm as well, which is year round. It's not summer, but I would imagine there's more mosquitoes in the summer. I don't know. I have no idea. We don't, we don't have these things in the desert. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's the only benefit we get for surviving the hellfire. I, I mean, heartworm is year-round, but I would think that it's worse in the summer. So, yeah. Please, ticks, heartworm. Um, so, I think dog boots are stupid. They're somewhat unavoidable uh, because, like I said, in the summer here, like, you can't even safely get your dog from the car into a store. Uh, because even if it's 10 feet, it's 10 feet of black asphalt. So, they're pretty hard to avoid, but they're also just such a pain in the ass. It's a lot of work to fit them properly and get them sized and all of that. They're also generally pretty expensive. Uh, If they're not sized right, they fall off all the time. I can't tell you how many pairs of booties that I have, only three of. Uh, (laughs) um, They're just, they're a lot of work, man. And especially when you consider getting your dog to wear them happily. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just, I have no interest I'm not in the business of just making dogs uncomfortable on purpose, but if your dog has never worn <laughs> booties, put booties on your dog. It's the funniest fucking thing in the whole yeah, it's world. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I don't have any interest in spending the kind of time it takes to get them to like them and wear them well, or the time it takes to find the right company and size and blah, 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 blah. So I usually, because they are a little bit unavoidable, I usually just use the disposable ones, which I do use more than once. It's not like a one-time thing. That would cost a fucking fortune. So that you can use them more than once, but they are disposable. Um, and they're they're called, called like paws or something. Paws with a Z. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Cute. Uh, but they just, the, they literally. Tom, Tom Haverford created them. <laughs> paws. <laughs> Um, they literally look like balloons. So there's not really any sizing involved. I mean, obviously there's like small, medium, large, blah, blah, blah. But it's not like real booties. Like if you buy legit booties, it's a comp, like your front feet might be mediums, but your back feet might be larges. And And if you don't get the exact right size, they're going to fall fall off. off. Yeah, Yeah, that's a whole thing. And they cost $200 each. And it's a stupid, it drives me nuts. But yeah, so there's not a lot of sizing involved and they don't have soles. So it's actually a lot. (laughs) I don't know why when I say that every time I'm like gingers. (laughs) (laughs) They have no soles. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm halfway through my second margarita. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) Also, I have a thing for gingers. So please don't be offended. (laughs) (laughs) She really does. I really do. It's a problem. But yeah, they don't have soles because they're just little balloons. So um, it's a lot easier for dogs to tolerate and get used to. Um, so when you're lazy like me, it's a really easy way just to get them from the car to into the store. They're not obviously as protectant. So if you're going to take your dog in a mile walk on the concrete, probably still pretty risky. But if you're trying to avoid booties, it's a good way to do that and still stay safe. <laughs> I mean, should we talk about how... Uh- you shouldn't shave your double-coated dog because you think oh, it'll make them yeah. feel better. <laughs> that exhale just really brought the drunkness on for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I see one more shaved Pomeranian or Golden Retriever, I'm just going to kill myself. Some people are shaving labs now. Hmm. I just, I just can't. They are not humans. Stop fucking with their coat. <laughs> they are designed. They aren't designed to go to the groomer every fucking fort. Well, doodles are, but we already know how I feel about that. <laughs> they are not. They are not designed to go to the groomer every four to six weeks. They will be fine. Stop shaving them. 
God damn it. So, like, let's clarify. You can go to the groomer every four to six weeks to get your bath and brush, right? But, like, yeah. but the, they don't need to be shaved is, like, what we're getting at here. No. Yeah. That's exactly what I meant. So, double-coated dogs are, like, huskies, pomeranians. I can't think of another one. Australian shepherds, border collies. There you go. Double-coated breeds are self-insulating. They keep themselves warm in the winter and they cool themselves down in the summer. Every time you shave their coat, it ruins that insulation system that they have created. Stop doing it. Also, if your groomer is willing to do it, get a new groomer. Mm-hmm. Grooming is also like dog training where it is unregulated. I've only ever met one groomer in my life that will not shave double-coated breeds because most people are like, well, nobody listens to me, so I need money. Yeah. No! <laughs> I, I watched this um, TikTok by a dog groomer that I follow the other day who she had a husky in who needed to have, like, a haunch shaved for a surgery. And so she yeah. was able to demonstrate, like, look how this coat is growing back in. And it was, like, super patchy and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was able to demonstrate, like, from a dog who needed to get shaved, you know, for a medical procedure and, like, show, yeah. like, this yeah. is really harmful to their coat. But also it doesn't make them any cooler and, in fact, makes them a lot no. hotter. Yeah. You're ruining their entire system for regulating their own temperature. Right. People, for some reason, think that, like, long-haired dogs can't live in hot climates. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe it's not ideal, but they're not going to die. Like, they're fucking dogs. They live everywhere. Right. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know where we were. I can't even read anymore. I think that's the end of this segment. So yeah, we're done now. Let's be done. So that there was some information about summer safety. We'll take a break here. And when we get back, we will start talking about summer fun. And there is still a little bit of summer safety in there. Okay, bye. Margarita check. Laura, do you like your margarita? She made it in all caps. Um, <laughs> it's almost gone. I have almost drank an entire blender to myself. Uh, and it's such a light. Uh. <laughs> I'm scrolling back up to your recipe. So let's see. That's nine ounces of alcohol. <laughs> no, it's still four. It was four altogether. Four tequila. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot the schnapps has alcohol. <laughs> and so does the triple sec. Does it? Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Wee! Wee! <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, it was supposed to be my day off, and it wasn't my day off, so I deserve it. <laughs> um, You're allowed to drink now? I feel like I've asked you this on every podcast, and you were like, only weren't allowed to drink on one. Yeah, well, it was just while I was taking hydrocodone, and I only took that for about a week, and then I didn't need it anymore, so. Oh, I was going to say, are you addicted to opioids now? No, I don't uh, is that have a, a very addictive personality, which is great. I don't either. And it's weird to me because addiction runs in my family. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but I'm like the least addictive person. Did I already ask you how your margarita is? Uh, I don't know. It's it's fine. Now I want muddled berries. It sounds delightful. They're really good. It's pretty much gone now. You you don't sound as enthused about it. Well, I'm not as enthused because it's like almost gone. Like all of this is pretty much mm. like ber- berry chunks. So, yeah. I don't know why that reminded me of this. I think it's because that's the reaction I had when this happened. But so, like I said earlier, I have a TikTok now and someone commented on one of my videos. This was before I put Doc Readyville podcast in my bio. Someone commented on one of my videos where I was talking and they're like, are you that girl from Doggeritaville? And I literally, like, I like threw up in my mouth. I was like, I don't ever want anyone to ask me that ever again. I don't want to know if you recognize me from my podcast. Like, I... I like we talked about in episode one, like we would kind of prefer to not know if you listen, (laughs) which is so funny. One, because I don't see the analytics at all. Um, So that helps me a lot, actually. (laughs) Um, But then, too, like we don't really do social media for it anymore. So I just assume that because we don't do social media for it, like nobody really listens anymore. Right. Uh, which is not the case because I feel like more and more we're getting those comments of like, oh, your podcast. And I'm like, right. wait, what? You know about that? <laughs> right. That's the that's the, the reaction I have every time too. I have a couple of clients who like I had sessions with them recently and they were like, oh, and by the way, I've been listening to your podcast. I like binged it. I love it. And I just like want to leave. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I'll see <laughs> you later. 
I mean, thank you. <laughs> okay, summer fun. Summer fun. Wee. Wee. Okay, so Laura wrote me a little bullet point that said, just keep swimming. So I kept that because it was cute. <laughs> so swimming is what everyone wants to do in the summer, and it has serious, awesome benefits, but there are also some safety issues that we need to be aware of. So Laura, why don't you talk about some of the benefits, and then I'll get into the safety. So I have Charlie, obviously, who is an absolute crack fiend about water, and swimming is great exercise. So Charlie, not so much anymore because he's... Uh, he's Oh, God! Oh, no! Did you spill it? <laughs> It was almost empty, so it's not that bad, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) I think this might be the, like, second recording in a row that I've spilled my drink everywhere. Anyways, Charlie. (laughs) Not so much anymore because he's going to turn nine on Saturday, but he normally runs anywhere from, like, three to six miles a day, and even that is, like, not enough. Um, He gets a ton of mental every day. Like, he's just a super, super crazy high-energy dog. Uh, And he is an absolute crack fiend about water. Um, And letting him swim for like 20, 30 minutes is enough to knock him out for two days. Whereas like the treadmill and everything else barely gets him tolerable. So like swimming is really hardcore. Uh, (laughs) um, It's really great exercise. A couple years ago, um, more than that, a while ago. It was a long time ago now. Um, I went to Columbia for a few weeks for my brother's wedding. Uh, and Charlie stayed with my friend who had a pool. Uh, and I think I was gone for like two weeks. Uh, and he swam every single day, probably multiple times a day. And when I came back, bro was ripped. Like, <laughs> I, I went to go pick him up from my friend's house. And I was like, what did you, did you give him fucking steroids? Like, what <laughs> happened? He was just fucking buff. And now I will come in and be the buzzkill of swimming because it is pretty easy to accidentally not be safe while your dog is swimming. So if you're taking your dog swimming, you need to know if it's a safe spot to do that because there are certain algaes that are toxic to dogs you need to be aware of. Um, Also, it's a good idea to put your dog in a life jacket. Like, I'm not weird about it or anything, but even if you feel like you don't need it, I feel like you just never know what could happen. They might see something out in the water, swim too far and not be able to make it back or get caught in a current. You just never know. So I'm, I prefer to be safe and put a life jacket on a dog anytime I'm going swimming. A pool is a little bit different. Life vests actually, too, I've used a lot uh, for dogs that don't like to swim. Charlie hated to swim originally, but mm-hmm. I got him a life vest because I wanted to teach him. And once the life vest help, helped him realize that, like, he wasn't going to die. <laughs> and that's what actually got him into swimming. Cute. So life vests are actually super important for teaching dogs, even if they like water. Now he hates it because it slows him down. Um, But yeah, especially anytime you're in open water, like a lake or anything like that, a long line might be a little bit much. I use a long line for sure. Um, But I'm also very neurotic. But at the very least, (laughs) a life vest for sure. Because you never know what's going to happen. Yep. So just be safe rather than sorry. Um, And then especially if your dog isn't used to swimming, keep in mind that it is strenuous, like more strenuous than walking or running. So your dog will get tired a lot more quickly than normal, like a normal exercise session. And then just like we talked about earlier, if they're ball obsessed, don't overdo it on fetch in the water because they it's easy for them to swallow or breathe in water, first of all. But then also it's just hard for them to regulate when they're tired or when they're done. They're not going to be able to reliably tell you when they need to be done. Um, so we do play fetch with Moody in the water, but we limit it to a couple throws at a time and then take long breaks so he can like calm down, but also we can make sure he didn't take any water in a weird way or anything like that. Sorry, I spilled my drink and I was cleaning my keyboard and I'm just now realizing how loud that probably is on the microphone. Um, but yeah, I, Charlie is not friendly with other animals, so he can't go to my parents' house or my brother's house. Um, and they're the ones that we know with pools. Uh, unless they're out of town. Um, so I, a couple years ago, got him, um, like, a membership to this, like, canine aquatic center so he could go swim. And he was obsessed with it, unsurprisingly. <laughs> um, but she's the one that actually was, like, every couple throws of the toy, he has to take a break, which he hated. <laughs> um, and she actually uses the life vests that have... Some of the dog life vests have, like, a bumper under their chin oh. to help keep their head up. Okay. Um, because, like, Charlie, if he doesn't have a toy, like, if he's not fetching a toy, 
he starts to just go after the waves, um, which is super unhealthy because he's taking in so much water. Um, and dogs actually can dry drown, which people can do too. But like if you take in too much water, you can die like a day later, right? Yeah. So that's super important. You don't want them taking in a lot of water. And actually, too, she would only let him play in the pool with certain toys. Like, so a ball is actually not ideal. Um, because with the way you open your mouth to get a ball, you take in a lot of water. Hmm. Whereas if it's like a flat toy, you don't take you don't take in as much water the way okay. that you're grabbing it. Interesting. I use it year round, but my favorite summer loophole is definitely the doggy treadmill, just because of uh, my house. Obviously, Charlie is the one that got me start got <laughs> me started. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Charlie is the one that got me introduced to treadmills, two treadmills, <laughs> um, because literally there's just no amount of exercise that can contain him. So he's the reason I bought my first treadmill and I've used it ever since. But nowadays, because I have so many dogs, uh, I cannot, I couldn't, even if like today's my day off. Even waking up at 6 a.m. on my day off and working the dogs all day, I still barely get them all done. Um, Mm -hmm. So the reality of like everybody getting work, everybody getting worked every day is just not super realistic. So the treadmill really helps with that Uh, because I could be treadmilling one dog while I work another or whatever. (laughs) Uh, So the doggy treadmill is a huge summer loophole that I always encourage, especially because depending on like your schedule and stuff, again, out here in the summer, you can really only take dogs out at like 6 a.m. and like 8 (laughs) p.m. And even then it's still fucking hot. Yeah. Um, so the treadmill is super great, especially for high energy dogs and especially in the summer. But yeah, it's definitely important too to realize though that you can't be completely reliant on the the treadmill um, because it's strictly physical. There's no mental once they're used to it. Um, what is Scott doing? Dancing. <laughs> um. Once they get used to it, when they're when they're training on it, then it, it's quite a bit of mental. But once they're used to it, it's really mindless physical exercise, which isn't always the most effective. But in my case, where they're getting a ton of mental as well, and I just need to tire them out every day, it's very, very efficient. <laughs> See, I've, I've always really kind of wanted to need one, <laughs> like, because I think they're cool. But I just yeah. have never needed one because I don't have super high energy dogs, like, Mooney's a really excited dog, but he's not, like, high energy, really. He doesn't need yeah. a ton of exercise. So we, if we can't go outside to get exercise out, he's really fine doing indoor things. One day when you get your Aussie, you'll need it. <laughs> when I have my Aussie and you have your Bernie's mountain dog. <laughs> yeah. We can be fluffy friends. Um, so, yeah, as always, especially in summer, though, uh, we want to rely heavy on mental work. Uh, so Kongs, popsicles, playing with the hose. Playing with the hose is kind of physical, but whatever. Uh, I really like the hose. It's kind of interesting because most dogs either hate it or love it. And it's hard to play because most dogs that do enjoy it get so amped up. So when you play like when you play with the hose, what does that look like? What's the game? Um, so I have an attachment that's a sprayer on the hose, so I can turn it on and off from there. It's not just like a hose that I'm putting my thumb over or whatever. But so they chase the stream of water, right? But so the trick of playing with the hose is that they can't get too close to you because they will attack your hand, right? Not intentionally, but like you're controlling the hose. Right. Basically, they want to be straight sprayed in the face, mm-hmm. essentially, but obviously that's not great to be shooting high-powered water down their throat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, like, with Charlie, I move it around a bunch, and I'll, like, spray his butt, and then he tries to go after it, and then I'll move it, and he chases it around, and uh, basically he's just trying to attack the water, right? But Doobie is not trained, and he's an idiot. (laughs) Uh, So he just immediately started to come at me, and I was lucky that I turned it off in time, uh, because he is much bigger than Charlie. (laughs) But I've never played hose with him, so I didn't realize what I was doing. And he literally, like, he jumped straight at me, and I screamed no as loud as I could as I was trying to turn it off, but I obviously had it up pretty high, so it was more than one turn to turn it off. So I screamed no as he like jumped at me and he tried to stop himself and ended up just eating dirt. Like, like, 
But, it, like, thank God, obviously, that he's at least somewhat trained because otherwise he would have just clobbered me. Not intentionally, obviously. He's not trying to, like, attack me, but he just wanted to go for the water and I'm the one holding the fucking water. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Hose is a dangerous game to play, but is also, like, a really easy, quick way to keep them cool and exhaust them really quickly if they're not overly neurotic like some of my dogs. <laughs> um um, so yeah, I really like playing with the hose if your dog likes it. I feel like most dogs don't like it. Yeah, Mooney, like, he's not afraid of it, but he definitely looks offended. Like, if I, like, point it at him, he's like, I'm just trying to yeah. enjoy my day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so funny because Izzy, like, overstimulates at everything. And she, like, we went down to the wetlands and she got right in and was, like, super excited about the water. So then the other day I, tr- I pulled the hose out and she looked at me like, why are you trying to murder me? Like, why Why would you do that? And then I think we could dive a little bit more into things like popsicles because that's really fun. So popsicles are kind of like Kongs or you can make a popsicle out of a Kong. Um, but in the summer, what I'll do is I, I have five million fucking dog bowls. So I will take like goat's milk or bone broth or whatever um, and mix it with like wet food and treats and stuff. And I'll freeze it in a, a bowl. Uh, so that when I go to work, I just give them a bowl that is frozen with all sorts of crap in it. And then they spend mm. the whole day just licking it and going through it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you put it in a puzzle bowl or just a regular bowl? I just started a few months ago using the puzzle bowls. I try not to leave them with the puzzle bowls because they will eat them. Mm. Not like ingest them, but they'll, they're plastic. Right. So they will. Doobies is lacking all sides, but still has the middle part. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I will use puzzle bowls when I can, but certain dogs, obviously, I just have to use the metal bowls, which isn't as exciting. But, um, yeah, I can't leave lick it mats with any of my dogs, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would do that. But yeah, popsicles are a really fun one in the summer for sure. Although I will say I bought like fish broth or something. Uh, and nobody was a fan. Really? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I made, Balto like, would go nuts for it. Oh, it's so annoying. Um, so I have those like paw print ice cube tray things or whatever. So I made cute little stinky as shit uh, fish broth paw p- prints and they all just let them sit there and melt in their kennels. So my kennel room smells great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I was really annoyed. A couple of them made them, but for the most part, they were like, what the fuck do I want with that? It's a stinky ice cube. I'm like, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I think of summer, I think like camping and swimming and camping. We should have touched more on camping. Camping is fun. Camping is fun. But like, I don't know. In your neck of the woods, you're probably not camping a lot in the summer. No. Whereas (laughs) like out here, actually out here, I wouldn't camp in the summer either. Like I would keep it to the spring because in the summer it gets really, really buggy out here. But in the P&W, camping in the summer. Mm. Amazing. So great. Just the best. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so my biggest thing that comes up for camping is recall. Because hmm. I don't want to fuck with a, a tie out and I don't want to keep my dog unleashed the whole time. That's not fun. What, when we went camping um, last week, something that ended up being important, like it, I wasn't aware that it was going to be important, but it ended up being important was a place stay um, because I uh, needed them to call. like stay in place while I was putting up the tent because I didn't have anywhere to like put them except in the car. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, Okay, I need you to, like, just lay down and stay there while I put up the tent. And they all did great. And I was really glad that That's we had awesome. worked on that. So. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that you were taking all three dogs with you when you said you were going camping for your anniversary. And mm-hmm. then I saw the picture and I was like, oh. <laughs> Interesting. It was fun. We should do a whole episode on camping. That would be fun. Yeah, let's. I love camping. I'm getting Scott into it a little bit. He hates it a lot. What? <laughs> he made us leave early last time. <gasps> Why? What is his, what is, what doesn't he like about it? He got cold. <laughs> <laughs> you are from Seattle, sir. Give me a fucking break. Put a, buy him a sweater. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was so dramatic. I wish, well, actually, I might have a picture. I'll send you a picture. Hold on. What are we talking about? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, yeah, sit, stay or down, stay, good call, recall. 
drop it for when they find animal carcasses. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, all right. That's it for summer fun. I have to pee. We're going to take a break. <laughs> and then we'll come back. Okay, bye. And do other shit. Bye. <laughs> Final margarita check. Laura, how are you enjoying your summertime margarita? It's gone and I'm shit-faced. <laughs> I drank a whole blender. It was a delight. Uh, that's it. <laughs> there it is. How was yours? You just had the one? Or no, you were drunk when we started. Yeah, I I, I only had <laughs> yeah. one of these, um, but I, I drank uh, something else before we started. So, So we are getting into our final segment. <laughs> which uh laura has a short bullet point that i'll let her say before i start talking <laughs> what is it oh <laughs> um so the segment is about fourth of july and just to start i have to say biggest eye roll ever is just going to be inserted here because anytime someone brings up fourth of july i instantly get fucking annoyed we need to post a picture to Instagram of you doing an eye roll. Like, we need oh, people to know how funny. intense this yeah. is. That would not be attractive, but I'll do it. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the 4th of July. And then before we get started, just please keep in mind, this is a dog podcast. So there might be a million reasons that you hate fireworks, and many of those might be very valid. But we are only talking about one of the reasons you might hate fireworks. And because this is a dog podcast dog podcast that reason is that your dog hates fireworks and in both of our opinions that is not a super valid reason to hate fireworks and again there are many valid reasons to hate them we aren't talking about any of those we're just talking about dogs and fireworks so with that in mind laura go nuts (laughs) i can't tell you how hard i laughed when i was looking at the script and i was like oh she went full like pc disclaimer mode (laughs) Well, I think um, it's very valid that, like, we're celebrating, like, our freedom or whatever, but, like, all of the people who fight for our freedom have PTSD and are afraid of fireworks. Like, that's yeah. fucking stupid. So, like, <laughs> yeah. there are reasons. Just dogs yeah. are not no, one of I them. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it is not the world's responsibility to make sure your little fur baby isn't scared of loud noises. It's just... <laughs> It's just not. If I have one more fucking Karen that's like, I don't know why anybody sets off fireworks. I hate them. I'm like, well, your fucking Maltese isn't trained at all. So I'm not really worried about you. (laughs) Oh, God, it drives me nuts. If your dog has trouble on the 4th of July, literally my eye just twitched so hard it got stuck for a second. (laughs) (laughs) If your dog has trouble on 4th of July, it is your job to work through that with them and to keep them safe and to find what coping skills work best for them. End of story. It is not other people's jobs not to fucking go out and party. It's just not. Yeah. I would love to have that kind of control over the world. Unfortunately, it's not a thing. So stop fucking whining that people are inconsiderate and fucking train your dog. I have a minimum of eight dogs. Normally, I've, it's taken years of work, but now I usually have eight dogs. Before, I usually had 12 dogs. And it's not the same dogs every year. So please explain to me why I never have problems on 4th of July when it's always random dogs that I don't know and all have histories of, like, abuse, neglect, aggression, etc. But yet, 4th of July isn't a fucking problem for me. Am I fucking magic? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. (laughs) Like, I just don't enable them. I don't encourage those behaviors. And I prevent it as much as possible while addressing any problems that might come up. It's literally that simple. I'm so tired. (laughs) Like, even clients, like, all the time, people just let their dogs dictate everything. And I'm like, weird. I can't imagine why you're having issues when a fucking 40-pound dog is dictating what's happening in your life. Like... (laughs) Yeah, loud noises are scary. There are loud noises in life beyond 4th of July, so I would imagine the fireworks are not the fucking problem. Yeah. Okay, so I needed you to be able to get that rant out of the way, but, like, at this point, like, I want to say, you know, like, before I started working with dogs and studying dog behavior and everything, like, as an owner of just one dog who was afraid of fireworks, you saying that you were able to have, like, a house of 10 dogs without 
having those problems would have blown my mind. And if I was listening to this podcast at this moment, I would be like, but how? Like, how do you do it? I know. And it's so frustrating for me because I don't know. Like, the only way I know how to explain it, I know doesn't make sense to people. Hmm. And I'm like, if you just prevent it as much as possible. And if they have an issue, you work them. But like, people don't know what that means. Hi, Doggeritaville listeners. This is Lily coming at you mid-edit and without my fancy microphone. I just wanted to remind anyone who hasn't listened to it yet that our last episode that came out was called Fearful Dogs, and Laura does dive into how she works with fearful dogs around fireworks a lot in that episode, so make sure to go check it out. Fourth of July is not the only thing with loud noises. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, don't convince yourself that 4th of July is the fucking problem. The problem is you have a fearful dog. Yeah. And you should be working on this year-round. Yes, 4th of July is obviously much worse, but the problem is you're not addressing the problem the rest of the year. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in how Mooney is going to handle it this year because we live really close to an open hunting area, and so we hear gunshots a lot. And so I kind of wonder if he has almost, like, habituated to that sound a little bit. I'm interested yeah, to find be out. Yeah, cool. that would So Mooney is afraid of, like, thunderstorms and fireworks and, like, gunshots and stuff. And there are things that we do throughout the year. And it's helpful because I do it for the puppies, too, which is, like, I play sounds and desensitize him a little bit. But there's a difference between playing the sounds and the real thing. Like, there just is. But for Mooney... What we've found that helps him cope is just we make him, I call it his little crybaby fort. We make him a crybaby fort. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I set up like a big blanket for him. I leave the crate open. So if he wants to come out, he can, but he never does. Um, I like put a drape a blanket (laughs) over the crate and I play like relaxing music for him. And he just stays in there all evening. And he's not like fine, but he's like, yeah, at least he's coping. Yeah, he's coping. Yeah, I, uh, well, and that's what I mean. Like, I'm not saying your dog's just going to suddenly not have issues, although I would be willing to bet that we could get them there. What I'm saying is that you need to do something like that, where if you can't or you don't know how or whatever, know how to work them through it and get them over it completely, you create some sort of coping mechanism like that. Like, okay, I know you're going to hate this day. Here's your alternative. Right. Instead of ranting and raving about how nobody should be allowed to do fucking fireworks. Yeah. Like, give me a break. <laughs> and then it's important um, to say, um, I don't know exactly what you do, but like if, you, if you're at home and you have a dog who's afraid of fireworks and you're like listening to this episode and, you know, taking down notes and everything, if you get enrichment for your dog, give it to them during the day. Don't start when the fireworks start because they will likely not take the toy or the food if it's, if they're too afraid. Yeah. So I overstock on mental uh, marrow bones, Kongs, every, like literally that day I spend all day working the dogs. And prepping their mental. So I make licket mats. I make Kongs. I do marrow bones. I do everything that I can. I always make sure. Not always. Because, uh, again, I've never had an issue. Because uh, they're all usually in their kennels. Which I think stops a lot of the problem, too. If they're out loose, then they get a lot more freaked out. But also, too, like, if your dog is such a fucking problem on 4th of July, then you should have a trainer and be working with it. There you go. That's a good note to end on because I'm drunk and I'm tired of doing this. <laughs> Alrighty. I think that about wraps it up. Our 22nd episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on TikTok now and Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLilysDogs.com or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Miss Lily's Dogs. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at LV and my website, ProperPuppersLV.com. In our next episode, we will be talking about one of my favorite tools, the muzzle, uh, next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at doggeritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at doggeritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us.